morning and welcome to the hundreds of people gathered here in the garden. That's a joke. There, but it, there, it is great to be with those of you in person and those of you online. I am so excited just to be around people again this morning. It's, uh, it's good to have a reason to dress my bottom half. And um, man, it's, just, it's great to worship with you. Thank you to the band and Dee Dee for, for leading us and uh, all the acorns for dropping. These, are, these come in handy. If you see people fall asleep, you can just grab one and throw it at them, and then uh, pretend it fell from the tree. So um, good morning. We, uh, this morning we're going to talk about the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, if you have your Bible with you um, or on your app, you can go ahead and pull that up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 a little bit later this morning. Um, and if you're at home, if you have a, a, a Bible uh, handy, uh, maybe it's on your bookshelf, maybe it's on your nightstand, wherever it is, I hope that you'll go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 this morning. And, uh, you know, as we've been praying about this, this um, passage this morning and this piece of scripture, I've been thinking about when uh, my wife, Melissa, and I were first married. Um, we had lived in three different homes for the first three years of our marriage. I don't know if you were, you know, kind of like a young couple like we were. You know, it wasn't anything momentous. We were always in the same area. We just happened to have moved that often. And um, we moved to the first house we ever lived in the third year of our marriage. We had lived in an apartment and a duplex before that. We lived in this house. It was like a 900-square-foot house, and we were so excited, right? It was this really tiny house. It barely had two bedrooms, um, one bathroom, um, but it had a yard. You know, we were so excited to have a yard. And, you know, three months later, after I had already mowed, you know, 1,500 times, I was not as excited to have a yard. But um, I was really excited to have a yard as a young family. But what we learned about this house is that it was an old house. Um, it was an old house, and we weren't always sure that everything was going to work on this house. And so we were renting, so we were always calling our landlord and saying, hey, you know, this thing isn't working, this thing isn't working. And, um, and that's when I started to learn something about um, the, these power outlets, especially. We, we were never really sure if these power outlets were going to work um, or if it was going to flip the breaker. And, and that's whenever we learned this thing. I don't know if you've uh, learned this as well, that, that unused connections lose their power. You ever realize this, that, you know, these, these connections, these, these power outlets hadn't been used in a long time, or, um, you know, and they, and they were just kind of old, and, and so every once in a while, they just wouldn't work, you know, and, and we realized this, that, that unused connections lose their power. This is not only true with electricity and, and power sockets, but it's also true in our lives, Right? In, in our relationships, these unused connections lose their power. If we don't check in with our friends, if we don't check in with our family every once in a while, if we don't keep that connection alive, those unused connections will lose their power. This is true in our family. Right? If we don't check in with, with our parents, if we don't check in with our brothers or sisters or cousins or aunts and uncles, whoever it is in our family, if we don't touch base with them every once in a while, we will lose their power. This is also true. Maybe you realize this with your coworkers. Right? Now we've been, some of us have been working remotely, and, and we've realized the importance of just checking in. Right? No work needs to be done. You know, we don't, I don't need a project from you or anything like that. We just need to check in. How are you doing? How's your family? Are you guys doing all right? These unused connections, if we don't keep them alive, will lose their power. This is also true in our own spirituality, right? Maybe you're a religious person or, or maybe you're not. But you've realized if you've never tapped in or if it's been a while since you tapped into that spirituality in your own life, you realized how that untapped spirituality will lose its power. This is especially true if we are Christian, if we believe in Jesus Christ, that we know if we don't check in, if we don't use that connection, friends, it will lose its power. And that's why we're talking about prayer this morning. 
One of the most important things in our lives, it allows that power to remain in our lives so that, so that it won't be this unused connection, that it will continue to remain alive. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, says this about prayer, and I would strongly recommend this book to you. He says, in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the thing he desires, to love the things that he loves, to will the things that he wills. You see, prayer is, is not only about um, what we want God to do, but it's not just this laundry list that we give God to say, God, it would really be nice if I had these things in my life. Prayer is also an opportunity for God to change us so that that power can remain in us. But what that means is that God in the act of prayer is changing our own will, is changing our lives in the process of prayer. And I think that's what makes it incredibly powerful. And so this morning, we are going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to read about the Lord's Prayer. Now, maybe this is a, a prayer that you've read before, um, that you've recited before, maybe um, growing up, or, or maybe you've heard somebody else recite this. We're going to read it from the Gospel of Matthew. It's going to sound a little bit different, and we'll talk about why that is. And the Lord's Prayer is in two different Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke. This morning, we're going to read out of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, I'm, I'm going to read these words here, if you will read along with me. Matthew chapter 6 says this, that prayed then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Now again, maybe that's not the, um, the passage of Scripture that you're most familiar with. Maybe you remembered it a little bit differently. The, the Lord's Prayer that we often um, say in a church or in a congregation is adapted from the King James Version. So the language um, is more thine and thou's, right? A, a little bit different than we use in our normal everyday language. Um, also, um, the, the early church added what's called the doxology or the right praise at the end of it, right? Um, and and it um, it's, begins with, for thine is the kingdom, right? And the power and the glory forever. That was added to the prayer um, to, to praise God for who God is. And so we have this Lord's Prayer in our life. And I believe that this is a framework for how we ought to pray. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, this comes at chapter 6. And it comes in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you ever want to know what Jesus believed, right, if you just like want to read like, you know, kind of Jesus' thesis on religion, his, his, his treatise, right, it's, it's Matthew 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, the time that, that Jesus spoke to the most amount of people at one time and told them what his entire ministry would be about. And in the middle of that is the Lord's Prayer. In the middle of that is, is how to pray. And it begins with these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? He says, begin in this way by recognizing who God is. My God, my Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Here's the thing I've realized about prayer, and maybe you've realized this as well, that prayer puts God in the right place in our lives. Right? Prayer puts God in the right place in our lives. If we carve out time to pray, and even each day during the week, and, and if, we, if we carve out time to pray to God, it puts God in the rightful place in our lives, at the center of our lives. It's incredibly important. 
right? Um, my family and I actually last night just got back from a, a, a trip to Broken Bow. We were up at a cabin there, and, and it was an incredible opportunity. And, and one of my favorite things are our road trips, and really one of my favorite things are, is packing the car. We have a minivan. We call it the Swagger Wagon. And, um, and so one of my favorite things is packing the Swagger Wagon, right? And what happens is, um, you know, the family uh, packs the bags, right? So, okay, everybody put all the stuff you need in the suitcase. And then I stand at the back of the van, and I open it up, and I have them bring out all of the luggage. What do you want to bring on this trip? And they lay it all out on the driveway, right? And then what happens is I pack the van. And the way I do that is I put the most important things in first, right? The things I really want to make sure that we get there with. We can't do this trip without these things. I put those in first. And then the less important things and less important things until finally maybe there's no more room. Right? And every once in a while, somebody's bringing me something, you know, like toys or, or some knickknack. And I say, you know what? That, that's really not important right now. We don't, we don't need that on our trip. I think the same thing is true in our lives. We really ought to put the most important things in first. Because if we don't, somebody else will prioritize our life. Right? Like, like if we just went default, if we just went, you know what, like I'm just going to kind of cruise through this week. Somebody else is going to fill up your time because people are constantly vying for your attention, whether it's children, whether it's coworkers, whether it's family or friends, somebody is vying for your time. And unless you carve it out and say, no, this is the most important thing, somebody else will set your priorities. And so Jesus says, whenever you pray, make sure that you first put God in God's rightful place in your life. And then Jesus says, pray in this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, whenever you pray, pray that, that God's will would be done here. Right? That, that, that the kingdom of God, where, where God reigns, would come here. That God would get God's way, especially in your life especially in your life. And I think that's incredibly important for us. Here's something I, I hope that, like if we don't take anything else away this morning, um, I hope that you will take this away. All right, I think this is probably one of the most important things that I can say. Please don't pray for anything you aren't prepared to work for as well. Don't pray for anything you aren't prepared to work for as well. There's a lot of things we want in this world. Right? And we may be praying for a lot of things this morning and hoping that, that these things would change. And here's the thing. God will do what only God can do. And we will do what only we can do. I had a mentor who said, Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Right? It's opposed to earning. Grace is opposed to earning. You cannot earn grace. You cannot earn the love of God. But once we have received it, we would naturally do some things because we have received it. We would put in some effort. And so whenever we pray for God to do something in our world, it's going to take us doing it as well. We are co-laborers with God. And, and so as we pray and we are praying for things to happen, we will say, God, I, please bring this to pass. And, and I'm going to do this to help it come to pass. 
Give me the power and the strength in order to do this thing. This is not works righteousness. This is not earning the love of God, but this is co-working with God so that this place can look like heaven. Jesus says that's the entire point. The entire point of prayer is to make this earth look like heaven, right? Did you, some of you maybe were more nefarious that whenever you were in high school and your parents went on vacation, and what did they say, right? This better look like this when I get back, right? That's kind of what Jesus did, right? Like he, he came here and he's like, let me show you what it looks like. Let me show you what the kingdom of God looks like. When, the, when there are hungry people, they are fed. When there are sick people, they are made well. When there are lost people, they are found. And then Jesus said, this better look like this whenever I get back, right? Like that's what we are doing. Some of us threw some parties and ruined the furniture, right? And, and we've got to fix it. We've got to make it right, And so Jesus says, whenever you pray, pray for the kingdom of God to come to pass, and especially in our lives, that we will do what only we can do in those moments. And Jesus said, whenever you continue this prayer, pray that God would give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, give me an abundance of bread. Give me, Jesus doesn't say, give me more bread than my neighbor. Jesus said, give me some daily bread. So whenever we pray, friends, I hope that we will pray for enough. For enough. And sometimes that means that we need more. And sometimes that means we need to change the mentality we have about our stuff. Right? There, there are some of us who, who need more. Genuinely, there are some who need more, but some of us need to change the mentality about what we already have so that God can give us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can truly be content with what we have. That God, Jesus said, when you pray, pray for your daily bread. Pray for enough. And here's the other thing that, that we should pray. When we pray, we should pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. Pray like it's actually happening in that moment. Jesus said, pray for daily bread. Pray for real stuff. This is not just metaphysical, right? This is not just out there in in the ether somewhere way on yonder. This is right here, right now. Jesus said, whenever you pray, pray for daily bread. Did we ever pray a prayer for God and then like give God like 1,500 allowances in the middle of that prayer so that if it doesn't like actually happen in that moment, you know, we're not disappointed? Jesus didn't say, give me my daily bread unless you don't feel like it, God. You know, or, or give me my daily bread and, 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 you know, whatever. Like Jesus said, no, give me my daily bread. Give me bread right now. This is what I need to do your kingdom work, God. Pray for daily bread. Jesus continues and says that, we would, that God would forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Others of us might know, forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. I love this, that Jesus is saying that God will forgive us in the amount that we forgive. Right? We will be forgiven 
according to how much we have forgiven others. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus says. Again, this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, at verse 14. So after what we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says these words. And in Matthew chapter 6, if you're following along, it says, for, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus was as blatant as he could be about this fact. Jesus said, God will forgive you as much as you have forgiven other people. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, God will forgive you as much as you have forgiven other people. I can't say that enough. God's, God will forgive you as much as you have forgiven other people. What if we believed this? Like, what if we actually acted like this was true? That maybe there are some people today that we need to forgive. That maybe there's some grudges that we need to let go this morning. If not for their sake, for ours. That grudge, that, that unforgiveness is like an anchor that is pulling us down. And if we keep holding on to it, friends, we're never going to keep our head above water. Jesus was as blatant as he could be about it. God will forgive you as much as you have forgiven other people. And finally, Jesus concludes a prayer and says to God, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, this is always the part of the prayer where, where I get a little uncomfortable, right? Because this idea that that. God would bring anybody into temptation, that God would bring anybody into trial is a little problematic for me, right? It's not necessarily the concept of God that I have in mind that, that, I, that I really ascribe to most often. And, and as I started doing some more research about this, I realized that there are many other faithful Christians who, who agree that, that this translation of this passage is actually kind of problematic. And so um, I learned this week that actually Pope Francis uh, of the Catholic Church is changing the wording of what they call the Lord's Prayer, or uh, our Father, right? They're actually changing the verbiage. They're changing the translation. And so at this very moment, the words are changing to um, that this prayer would be, do not abandon us to temptation, Right? Do not abandon us in temptation. Another translation might read that um, do not let us enter or fall into temptation. And actually, um, so, so the, actually the Catholic Church pretty soon will be saying a completely different passage here. Um, Eugene Peterson of, of the message, who translated the message, a paraphrase of the Bible, um, said, I love this, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves. Anybody raise toddlers? You know what they're talking about, right? Keep us safe from ourselves. I think more often than not, we are the ones bringing ourselves into temptation. Right? We are the ones bringing ourselves into the time of trial. And that there is actually a spiritual force of evil. Whatever you want to call it, whether it's the devil, whether it's evil, whether it's bad, we really are almost forced to believe that it's there. Right? Look at our current world. We're in the face of a global pandemic. That is not the will of God. God does not want that to happen. That is against the kingdom of God. I would classify that. I would put that in the category of evil. And so Jesus says when we pray, that, that we are to pray that God would rescue us from those times. 
And so here are some kind of some best practices, some things that I would encourage us to do this week. The first thing is that we would pray regularly. If you're not somebody who prays each day, I would encourage you to try it this week, seven times. Try it, to pray regularly. To listen as much as we speak. That it's not just a laundry list that we give God, but it's actually listening for God. And that we would pray empathetically. Some of the best prayers that I've ever prayed in my life and that some of the best prayers that people have ever prayed for me are prayers of empathy. When they have gone through what I have gone through and are able to pray for me in a very specific way. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. To set a reminder, if you don't already pray each day, I want to encourage you to set a reminder each week, to, each day this week, to pray the Lord's Prayer. Set a reminder to pray um, the Lord's Prayer each day this week. And then you say, you know, I already do that. I've already got that down. That one's easy. Then, then maybe kind of graduate a little bit and pray empathetically for one person each day this week. Find that person in your life that God has placed around you to experience the power of your prayer. And maybe even let them know. Say, hey, I'm, I was encouraged this week to pray for somebody. I'm going to pray for you seven times this week. Maybe they're a faithful follower of Jesus. Maybe not. But I would encourage you to do that. You know, as I was thinking about this sermon, I was reminded of a quote of John Wesley. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement. Back in the 1700s, he was an Anglican priest, an incredibly faithful person. And he kind of inadvertently started this Methodist movement. And he journaled at one point about his greatest fear of the people called Methodists. The greatest fear for us, the thing he worried about the most for us gathered here today. He said this, and I, and I love it, that his greatest fear is that we would have the form of religion without the power. His greatest fear is that we would have the form of religion without the power. Friends, I hope we will pray and experience that power in our lives. Will you join with me in the Lord's Prayer? Will you pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.